Welcome to a new episode of the Porter Notes podcast. Check us out on the web at porternotes.com. If you do the Facebook thing, facebook.com slash podcast. We're also on Instagram, and we're also, gosh, well, you caught us. You know where we are. You're listening. All right, let's get started. This is Alex, and I would like to thank you and welcome you to a new episode of the Porter Notes podcast. This is the fourth episode in our ongoing series, which is entitled Faith in Modern Times. In this episode, I have an interview with Rabbi Forrester from the Beth Israel Center in Madison, Wisconsin. It was a great, great interview. She's a, a great lady and very knowledgeable and very friendly, and I really enjoyed the time that we spent chatting. And in fact, I think that there's going to be a second chat between the two of us in the future. So keep an eye out for that. I just wanted to thank everybody who has been listening. If you're new to the podcast, uh, it's pretty simple, really. We sit down, we chat. And then afterwards, Lori, my wife and I, we chat some too. It's a lot of chatting, chatting here, chatting there, chatty, 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 chatty. So I hope that you enjoy this interview with Rabbi Forrester from the Beth Israel Center. I'm just going to take a quick second here to do some housekeeping and remind you all to please stay safe and healthy and do the right thing. We all know what that is. And okay, maybe we don't all know what that is, but I think that we all have a pretty good idea of what that is. Stay tuned after the interview with Rabbi Forrester for the podcast wrap up between Lori and I and do feel like you can contact us at any time email kettleandcup at gmail.com or porternotes at gmail.com is another way to get in touch with us just let us know that you're out there listening we really appreciate that we're open for questions we're open for suggestions you can also check us out on our patreon page patreon.com slash porternotes well it's all porternotes so if you look up porternotes you're gonna find me Lori, one of us both of us something to do with the podcast and all the other things that we do so check it out and enjoy this interview with rabbi forrester of the beth israel center Judging by you saying that you're not, you weren't exactly sure uh, who you were going to be talking with, <laughs> yeah. uh, you haven't heard the podcast yet. Right. And that's okay, because that meant that you didn't have the opportunity to study ahead, which is good, because mm-hmm. it puts you on the same level as everybody else. Yeah, cool. Um, and so 
yes, we can go from question to question, of course, and as you want to elaborate, that's that's fine as well. Okay. Uh, so for our listeners, uh, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am a new rabbi at the age of 55. I have been a rabbi for a couple of years, and I serve a congregation in Madison. Prior to that, I worked in Jewish education for many years, teaching all grades, but mostly adolescents in a Jewish day school, a parochial school um, outside of Chicago in the northern suburbs there. And then I was in school leadership there and did work nationally in curriculum and instruction in Jewish education. And prior to that, I was a speech language pathologist working in public schools and serving underprivileged populations of um, mostly high schoolers. And before that, I was a graduate student at Northwestern University, and before that, a baccalaureate student at the UW-Madison. So tell me a little bit, if you can, about the Beth Israel Center. Sure. Um, We are a congregation of around 275 households, and we are affiliated with the United Synagogue for Conservative Judaism. And that is a movement. We are part of what's called the conservative movement. And that's with a capital C and has nothing to do with politics Mm -hmm. or actually even being conservative. Um, But it speaks to a philosophical orientation, which is about conserving traditional practices and understandings of how we evolve practice while at the same time being open to modernity, um, using tools of modern scholarship and evolving our tradition with a um, sense of progressive willingness and excitement. How long have you been in the position of rabbi there? Almost two years. Bring me back a little bit, if you could. When did you know that there was a higher power? Describe when, when that calling came to you. Since I was very, very young, I have felt close to a higher power, if you want to call it that. I feel it very internally. Um, I would say I have been aware of a transcendent power, the sense of being part of something universal. Um, And I felt that way since I was a young child. And how do you live out your faith? I'm a practicing Jew who holds to standards of uh, Jewish observance that relate to various rubrics of things that that Jews do um, in concert with Jewish law and tradition. So what this means is that I have many, many practices that inform my sense of who I am as I walk in the world. I eat kosher food and only kosher food. I don't eat um, food that is cooked in vessels that are not kosher, that are not in a kosher kitchen, um, unless they're in a completely vegan or vegetarian setting. Um, I make blessings before I eat privately, but I make blessings before Mm -hmm. I eat, blessings after I eat. Those are very significant practices. Even when I have a drink of water, there's a blessing. So um, that affects a lot of my mindset. And then in keeping kosher, that also means that I, um, there are certain products that I will and will not eat and certain mixtures that are permitted and not permitted. My week is oriented very much around the Jewish Sabbath, which is a 25-hour period from Friday at sunset when the sun is going down to Saturday when the sun has set at night and it's dark outside. 
And during that time, I am off electricity, off um, technology, and just living in the natural created world and focusing on relationships with real people who are right there in the area and books and prayer and being outside um, also focusing internally on the parts of my humanity that kind of get ignored as I'm busy through the week. So that's pretty fundamental. I pray during the day, every day. There are certain prayer services that um, observant Jews do um, or participate in during the day, either individually or in a group. So very often I'm leading a group in prayer. And when I'm not doing that, I'm very often praying on my own for those at those times of day, morning, afternoon, and evening. How do you want people to see you in terms of your faith? I want people to see me as someone who is informed by being part of an historic way of life that is open to modernity and is first and foremost mindful and attentive to the present moment. I also would say that I would want people to see me as somebody who's a thoughtful practitioner of a faith and someone who takes joy in working with faith practices to help find contemporary meaning in them and contemporary understandings that help not only me to flourish in my life, but others as well. Do you ever question your faith? Oh, yes. Can, can you give me an example of, of what that looks like? Are you talking about faith in God in particular? Sure. I question sure. where God is, if God is, what God does. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, Jewish people believe that's actually a fundamental requirement that a thinking person must question. Otherwise, we're really not being honest with ourselves and with God. So... Yes, many times in my life I have questioned whether God is interested in what's going on in the world and why God chooses to act the way that God may act in the world. I've spent a lot of time thinking about God and what God may be and what God is not and have come to a place where I don't question very often. Sometimes I would say I would like God to be easier and um, more simple than maybe I believe God is. So I wouldn't say so much that I have crises of faith Mm -hmm. as much as I sometimes wish that God were the notion of God that I thought God might have been when I was much younger. How do you know that your faith is bringing about positive results, either for yourself or, or members of your congregation? I don't know that members of my congregation share the same understandings of how God is and operates in the world, but I certainly share different ideas that might be helpful. For myself, my sense of groundedness and alignment to my own purpose in this world is solid most of the time. And when it is, that's when I feel that my faith is strongest. Have you ever been faced with somebody that you just couldn't reach? Yes. 
but I don't see it as my task to bring faith to other people. Hmm. So I preach a way of life that's grounded in justice and compassion and oriented around certain ways that I believe help us to flourish in this world. And so a person's particular faith beliefs, their beliefs about what God might be and how God might act, are really not something that I need to take ownership, responsibility, or um, any kind of proprietary interest in. Do you feel that there is possibly anyone who could truly be lost then? Yes. There are absolutely people who um, feel that they are lost and act as if they are lost. Yes. Let's move on to talk a little bit in, in, in kind of a broader sense. Sure. Um, in moments of real human tragedy, mm-hmm. um, how do you keep your faith? I don't hold God responsible. So that helps a lot. I don't believe that tragic things are ordered by God to particular people at particular times and for particular reasons. So we live in a wonderful world that also has aspects of of randomness or the ways in which nature behaves are the ways in which nature behaves. And it's a great gift to live in this world. It's also sometimes a dangerous place. And that just is. So I don't believe, for example, that God is causing certain people to become infected with COVID-19 and that Mm -hmm. God is choosing those who live and those who die in some sort of a a moral calculus or any sort of a calculus at all, but that ourselves are what ourselves are. But I do believe that the divine lives within every individual and is there with us in our experience and, in fact, is the experience in a certain sort of way. And so we are doing God and living God as we live our lives. We, we live our lives with God. And the more we are in concert with that understanding, the more we allow ourselves to be touched by God's love and care for us, no matter what we are experiencing in our lives. Sometimes it's very difficult because our circumstances beat us down. And we're not available to be so inspired because we're just feeling ill or devastated by something. That's okay. But I have developed the ability to seek God in those moments and to be able to feel God's support more often than not in times of calamity and distress. And to feel that God is not gone but God may feel further away at those times or not. Sometimes at times of distress and sadness, God actually feels very close to me. So in those moments when people are are asking, maybe asking you, maybe members of your congregation, maybe not, but they're asking, where is God? Mm -hmm. You're saying God is there. I'm saying that God is in all of us and around us too. I actually think that we're in God. So God isn't somewhere in the sky. 
Um, God isn't up there. God isn't down there. God is pervading all of existence, all of life, um, and maybe non-life as well. So how do we find God? How do, how do we experience God when we need God? A lot of that happens for many, if not most people, by showing up for each other. So by showing up with open hands, with open hearts, um, with time, with um, listening, with empathy. I believe that God is very much present in those moments of human connection. And that for most of us, we experience God most powerfully at that moment, at those moments of human connection, because God is living inside of those moments. There are other ways as well. Sometimes um, the natural world overwhelms us with its power and its beauty and reminds us of how small we are and how magnificent creation is. And those are moments of attunement for many people when they feel not only um, a sense of the magnificence of the world in which we live, but also a sense of awe. And I believe we're built that way because of the divine that is planted within us. So forming a sense of community strengthens God in all of us. I believe so. I would probably say that if that community is oriented around evil principles, hate, hateful principles, then that would probably be misguided. Um, God doesn't necessarily live in all um, groupings of people in the same kind of live and encouraging way, um, but God is there. Can people of other religious views have a positive impact? Of course. One of the reasons why I ask that is because to this point, I've interviewed many of local uh, people of faith. And of course, here being uh, in Reedsburg, Wisconsin, it's all, uh-huh. uh, you know, Protestant Christians. Uh-huh. Right. And so I would like to think that there's room to include other people who maybe have differing viewpoints in terms of what their faith is. And I wonder, there have been so many people who are so stringent upon this is the path. You need to be on this path. If you're not on this path, you're lost. And oh, I and I'm afraid that, that some of them are throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. And and we don't know each other. And, and I have a very um, surface-level understanding of, of your religion. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have some, some relatives who, who are Jewish, but not Orthodox in any way. And mm-hmm. so it's... It's a uh, little more than uh, a bar mitzvah and breaking glass at the wedding, and that's about it. Sure. Um, yeah. So, so I wonder, given the position that you're in, and 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 having people who follow your teachings or follow your lead, if 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 that's something that that you think is is something that you portray and as a benefit to people to know that that even though people don't necessarily call God by the same name, there's some benefit to the to the works that they do. Absolutely. So Jewish people believe, and this is a a foundational principle of Judaism, that righteous people of any faith or of no faith may all have a share in what we call the world to come. We don't really know what we are talking about by heaven in particular, um, but we have thoughts about what that might be. 
To put it more simply, we believe that people of all faiths and all ways of life are equally um, have equal access to divine reward because they have equal potential for being good and doing good and for that being recognized on all levels of their being. As a Jewish woman and now rabbi, is there any part of the Old Testament that you take issue with? There are problematic texts. We call it the Hebrew Bible because mm-hmm. we don't have a New Testament. We have an evolution of, of a great deal of literature, um, beginning with the Hebrew Bible and going from there. But it doesn't include what many call the New Testament or the Quran, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, there certainly are problematic passages. And I don't find them problematic in the sense of maintaining a faith or allegiance to being part of the Jewish people. Um, It's even fun sometimes to unpack those texts in light of their context, in light of their vocabulary, in light of what they may, may come to mean. So I do not believe that the Bible is meant to be taken literally. Um, There are, parts of the Bible that feel like they're meant to be read as a quasi-history and others that are meant to be read as law, others that are meant to be read as poetry. There are stories that are contextual to a particular ancient mindset, and there are also commandments that are particular to a particular ancient mindset. That's fine. Um, Some of those are problematic on the surface. But we are able to work with them and be inspired by the stories that we have, the narratives that we have, and even very much by the laws that we have. They're meant to do something very good. They're meant to be about compassion and justice. And when that doesn't ring true in the modern world, we have the tools to adapt them. With human tragedies in modern times spanning the globe, what is something people can hold on to which can give them hope for the future? There is great good in people. There is great good in the world. We have tremendous potential. There is also great brokenness, sadness, despair, and injustice. We can hold all of these together, knowing that we are blessed and knowing that we have work to do. The psalmist says it best when in so many of the psalms, he speaks of both gratitude and exaltation about the goodness in his life and at the same time in the same psalm about despair, fear, and loss. That's what life is about. We can hold it all. And we will hold it all with God's help when we hold it all together. Together as a human race and as as all of the creations that are on this earth with us. How are you? How, how is your family getting through this moment of quarantine and lockdown and, and uh, the threat of the, the COVID-19 virus? Like many lucky families, we are in our home together, 
And we're not all here. We are a family of five and four of us are living more or less in the same place. We're very blessed that we are able to have that companionship on a day-to-day basis and that we are well. We don't take it for granted. As a congregational rabbi, I'm involved with people about whom I care a great deal who are suffering more because of COVID-19, who are losing family and friends. So this affects my own family's understanding of the pandemic mm-hmm. um, because the stories are very real for us. These The people who are suffering are very real for all of us. But as a family, we're dealing with the same changes that other families are dealing with. We're stepping on top of each other. We don't have a large home. Um, sequestering ourselves in various rooms to get our work done on screens and lots of earphones and and (laughs) screens and plugs and emerging for walks, sometimes together and sometimes not. It's It's an odd time. In some ways, I think it's going to come and teach us important things about resilience, about creativity, about what it means to be human together in this world. And we're also learning about the ways in which our society is fractured and the ways in which we haven't been paying perhaps enough attention. So we're seeing in who is suffering demographically and who is dying of this disease, um, some of those fractures. And those things concern us. Those are things that we talk about at the dinner table. We talk about what is to be done. My wife... And my sister both work in the local emergency room. They're, neither of them are nurses, but they, they work in a position that's called, um, they're called unit secretaries. That's what they're called. Uh-huh. And um, my cousin is on the front lines in Chicago. And I have uh, various family friends who are in healthcare. Like you, having that connection, even somewhat remotely, to people who are experienced this really drives home the importance of keeping your distance and being smart and being safe. Right. And to speak of community, I think that if everybody, and I, I know that this is very idealistic, but if people were to see other people the same way that they could see a friend or a loved one in that position, I think that they would have a better understanding of it's not, we're not afraid. We're just trying to be compassionate because you're in an area being in Dane County, you're in an area that has way higher numbers than, than we do here in Sauk County. In fact, uh, the amount of, of positive patients who have made their way through our hospital confirmed positive patients are, just a drop in the bucket compared to what you have going on in, in the Madison area. Right. I feel very fortunate about that, but I think that I think that having that ability to put yourself in other people's shoes, that empathy and having that, that uh, compassion is something that could really go a long way. Yes. I hope and pray that this time will breed greater compassion. And I think that it will. I think that there are those who are not ready for that. And we're seeing them on the news. But I think that many people are discovering compassion that they didn't know they had, and they're really growing and nurturing it. 
along with other qualities that only a difficult time like this can help us to discover and nurture, like resilience and like creativity and like leaning in to an, a very unfortunate and distressing reality rather than trying to smooth it over fill in what's missing, make everything the same, just do it virtually. It's actually a time of great suffering. And we don't need to put on a show of suffering. But if we are missing things, and if we are grieving the loss of what we knew and what we loved to do, that's part of going through a difficult time. And most of us, us are going to make it through this time. And I hope that we'll make it through this time stronger and more loving when it's over. Is there anything that we haven't talked about in this conversation that you would that you would like to say now? I wonder if you have other questions about what it means for me to be a Jewish person or what it means for a Jewish person to face this time since you don't have much exposure to the Jewish faith. I would love for you to elaborate on that if you if you would care to. That would be wonderful. I appreciate that. I I don't have a I don't have anything specific about that. Uh, I have to, uh, as as the kids say, I have to give a shout out, actually, to one of my lifelong friends, Ronnie Friedman, who helped me uh, refine the questions. But um, but I I kind of even even with with those uh, whom I'd had interviews with in the past, I I kind of lent a little away from faith with a big capital F. Mm-hmm. and maybe more of a, a a human connection term of faith. So please, uh, the, the forum, the floor is yours. Feel free to, to exp- expound upon that. I would say that although faith is a concept that comes up in Judaism, it is not the main term that we talk about. Um, I think that when one is Christian, Um, The word faith and the concept of faith becomes much more key in the sense of having faith in Jesus as an intermediary source of of love and wisdom and guidance that we we don't have. Um, And so for us, we more freely admit that we don't really know what God is and we don't necessarily need to work hard to define what God is in order to go about the way of life that we have. So we're very much about a way of life. And yes, there is God, but God is a word that may mean completely different things to you and to me and to the person on either side of us. And that's perfectly okay. So that's a difference that um, I think that we have um, between Judaism and Protestant Christianity or, or any Christianity that I know of, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So can you speak to me then a little bit about atonement and the responsibility in the Jewish religion in terms of people? I grew up Catholic, mm-hmm. and so there is a fair amount of... There's a fair amount of hearkening back to the Old Testament, and as you mentioned in the Hebrew text, a lot of it is... is you know what we would consider the Old Testament, and a lot of that has uh, has uh, kind of a foundation in in atonement and in your place, kind of under God. So, mm. can can you speak to that in terms of how you're explaining to me then in this conversation how it, it's almost a a 
a different viewpoint than I had I had assumed, and my apologies for the assumption. In so much as to say that your viewpoint is such that that God is is something more transient than that. Yes. So the God of the Hebrew Bible is a Bronze Age conception of what a God would be. There are radically new aspects of that God in its context in in that time. But ideas about God have evolved, and we are a people that has evolved over 4,000 years. And so we do not practice a biblical religion. The religion that was practiced by our ancestors and that's laid out in the Hebrew Bible is not Judaism. Judaism is a whole set of practices that were developed by rabbis way longer, way later than the Torah. And way later than than traditional understandings of when Torah was given. Mm -hmm. Our practices are based in Torah. They're rooted in Torah. The values of Torah continue to drive our understandings of how to be in the world. But we also recognize that we live in a world that's constantly changing. And so we're always thinking. And the practices that we have really almost don't resemble the cultic practices of our ancestors. In terms of atonement particularly, obviously we no longer bring sacrifices, Mm -hmm. but we are very concerned about personal refinement. In fact, we believe that we call teshuvah, which means returning. Um, We practice repentance every single day. So we don't save it up for one day. You've probably heard of Yom Kippur, which is our day mm-hmm. of atonement. Yes. It's a big full-on communal day of, of reckoning. Mm-hmm. But every day is a day of reckoning. Not in a scary way, though. We actually believe that God wants to be with us in our brokenness, helping us to improve ourselves, helping us to flourish better in this world so that we can help to perfect the world to make the world a place where God's presence would want to dwell. And so we pray actually for help in the process of repentance every single day. In fact, we pray for it at least three times a day in our liturgy. It's something that's very close to our experience, the constant um, sense of self-refinement and desire for self-refinement and improvement in our relationships with God and in our relationships with others. So it isn't a matter of keeping yourself repressed to have that relationship with, again, my word would be higher power, but it's more polishing the um, the person that you are and, and taking away the things that, that should be carved away on you then yeah i think that's a good way to put it um we're not so much about repression but that doesn't mean that there are not things that we are not supposed to do there's plenty that we're not supposed to do but your sense of um looking at our lives with compassion Mm -hmm. and believing that god too looks at our lives with compassion and wants us to improve and that it's not about an act of grace by which we are saved but it's actually about personal refinement. Hmm. That is that is where our salvation comes from. We do believe that. 
and different Jews are going to approach that slightly differently in terms of degree of um, repression or a felt sense that there are many, many things that we do not do. So there's a broad range of Jewish practice and Jewish understanding of what is expected. But the sense of needing to repress urges and desires and all of that is not really a Jewish sensibility. There are things that we do not do, but we want to understand what is motivating the urge to do those things so that we can channel those urges in good ways, in life-giving ways. Hmm. So then getting back to what you were saying in terms of um, progressing the role of God, I guess, and those are my words, not yours, but I, I, I find it refreshing to hear you say that it would be reasonable. We're evolving. God should be evolving as well. So I think what I said was that notions of God have evolved. Mm -hmm. I happen to believe that God also evolves. Mm -hmm. Um, Biblical scholars will also say that the biblical God, the God of the Bible, God self evolves. God changes. God develops. God is a character in the Bible. And we see those developments happen in the Bible when we read it as literature. I happen to believe that God is shaped by our doings, that we directly affect what God is and how God gods, as it were. But not all Jews believe that. There's a wide range of of understandings of what God is and how God does. But the belief that God also learns and evolves is a classically Jewish belief all the way back to our Bible. And what that means for moderns, I would say, um, ranges. Hmm. I find that very interesting. If anybody has any questions pertaining to our conversation today, uh, or if anybody wants to elaborate or just get in touch with you in, in, in any, any way, how can they do this? If they would like to get in touch with me, they should go to the website of my synagogue and contact me through the website. So we are BethIsraelCenter.org. I really appreciate you taking this time. It's and my pleasure. It was nice to meet you. It was nice to meet you as well. And I hope that all um, all is well for you and your family moving forward with, with how things go here with this uh, with this current pandemic. I hope the same for you. Please take good care. I hope that you and your loved ones are well and that all people will emerge from this terrible, terrible situation as well as we possibly can and more whole and better equipped to be human together. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. going to finish up that drink box before we get started, or are you just going to save the rest of it for later? (laughs) Okay. So we just listened to an interview with Rabbi 
Forrester of the Beth Israel Center in Madison, Wisconsin. And that was really interesting, wasn't it? I enjoyed it. It was great. There's a lot of things. Judaism is one of the oldest religions still practiced here. And wow, there I had a lot of things that were brand new to me about it. And Everything was new to me. I know very li- I know nothing. I know nothing. Well, you know more now. <laughs> I do. I know a little bit more, but I I'm intrigued. It's hard sometimes to not go into things with a preconceived notion in terms of uh, people's religious viewpoints. And especially when it comes to something like Judaism, I had really believed that things were a lot more uh, rigid than than Rabbi had explained to me. And I was really encouraged to hear how at least... Yeah, it's very flexible, at least in the way that, that, that they view it um, the way that she views it and the way that she works with her congregates uh, in terms of having, uh, you know, a, a viewpoint on God that's evolving. Mm-hmm. And so it, it would make sense, right? I mean, we're not the same people that we were, you know, thousands of years ago. And, and the, yeah, okay, the, the very basis of, of humankind is is similar. I mean, yes, we need food and air and water and things like that and we want to be happy in one way or another but by and large the the world now is a far different world than it was thousands of years ago absolutely i also found it very enlightening that it's a lifestyle Mm -hmm. it's not just about the rigid parts of a religion it's it's how you live your everyday life, how you treat each other. Yeah, there's still forms of ritual and as she... in sorry, as in most religions there are rituals. Mm-hmm. And she she does you know as a rabbi and as a as a person of faith, she she continues with those rituals. But her viewpoint on God and 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 the impact that God has on every one of us and the impact that we have on God was really refreshing to me. It was interesting. I did learn some from the interview and I'm sure there's a lot more to learn. And if you want to learn, you would go to their page as she said in the interview and, and maybe set up a time or go for one of their services. I'm not exactly sure what they do as far as, Oh, there's an outreach for sure, and and uh, Rabbi Forrester was was very very forthcoming with me. I mean, okay, what I really like about the interview is, uh, as as many of you know out there, by and large, the interviews are very uh, loose and unscripted. Mm-hmm. Now, for this series, I did, you know, we came up with these questions, and I did try to stick to that framework. Although lots of times, conversation kind of went on beyond that, and her answers to these questions and she she had never listened to the podcast before so she didn't know and of course I had to rewrite them because you know religious viewpoints are different between Protestants and Christians and mm-hmm. Jews and right so her responses were were very educated mm-hmm. very open and it was a it was a real joy to to talk with her and and so what didn't make it in the interview afterwards was discussion that she and I had and she admitted that that 
she didn't want to come off as you know proselytizing and trying to get me to I don't know switch teams <laughs> <laughs> but uh but understand more about about her religion and the religion of of millions of people across the world I have to say I I wasn't raised in a home that went to church regularly mm-hmm. I did not come into any kind of religion until I was a young adult and doing this series has really been joyful for me in learning that so many religions still have that same basic concept, and that is being good to each other. Absolutely. And it's not so much about... There is that relationship between you and this higher power, whatever you're going to name that higher power, that is part of it. But more what it is, is about a human relationship mm-hmm. with other humans. And I really, really appreciate that. Yeah, I agree. And I do have one more interview coming up here. And this will be the last episode of Faith in Modern Times. We might do a little wrap up after that, which is kind of gleaning what we feel are important points that were made in each interview. I feel, though, confident in saying, even looking ahead at this last interview, that there are things that we we had some preconceived notions about probably every single person. Sure. And it's been very rewarding to to be able to spend this time together and to be able to talk and to get into the whys the mm-hmm. whys that's really the biggest thing we know how we know how they do certain things we know you know what it is they're doing and we know you know you can very easily do some research on on the history of of various philosophies and religions and and viewpoints but but the why is a really mm-hmm. big part and, and we've and only nice. only scratched on the surface i mean we could spend days interviewing people from different beliefs, sure. lifestyles, religions, sure. and it could be this entire podcast forever. <laughs> uh, I'm but, not willing to do that. <laughs> but it, it's it's helpful to just get that scratch and then allow you, as a listener, or us, as we sit here, to seek out if we want to know more about that lifestyle, religion. Philosophy. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're very right. In fact, one of the things that I, I really appreciate about this is it shows, I believe, how accessible, mm-hmm. how accessible people can be. And for those of you who, who I'll give you a little bit of behind the scenes. Yes. Okay. So we, we knew Clark Peterson and we know Clark Peterson and we had known in the past, uh, Sonny Hyde. Um, but Mado, I just simply sent out an email and he was willing to discuss this. And Rabbi Forrester, same thing. Mm-hmm. Now, I have sent out other emails to other people and, and not gotten any response. And, and that's okay. That's all right. Nobody is ever required to, to talk to me. <laughs> and so I, I I have no problem with that. But it was it was it's a good thing to know for those of you out there listening who might have some questions, especially given that things right now are, are challenging. A lot of people are having challenges in terms of, of a relationship with a higher power and a relationship with each other and a relationship with, with, uh, the world. 
there's somebody out there. It might not be the five or six people that you're going to hear in these podcasts. It might not be Lori and I. It might not be anybody that's in your house, but there's somebody out there who is willing to take the time with you, and all you have to do is is reach out. And it's so easy to reach out these days. Sure is. It sure is. And you don't even have to invite them into your home physically. You Mm -hmm. can just talk to them via text message or messenger or Zoom or FaceTime or whatever you want to do. But it it gives you that opportunity to gain some perspective on what, you know, what's happening in this world and Mm -hmm. your place in it. I mean, keep in mind, too, that May is Mental Health Month. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's important to know that, you know, those of you out there listening, it's it's a challenge. None of us have ever been in this situation before. And so it's okay to to look for help. It's okay to get help. I mean, if you if you have a rash or if you have a broken bone or if you have uh, problems with your vision, there's somebody out there that can help you. You're not a weak person for doing that. And that's the same thing if you feel overwhelmed with the situation and pandemic and the isolation that some people are feeling at this time and the desire to get back to what was and sometimes a little quicker than they probably should uh, there's somebody out there and it's it's okay to seek them that's a great point what you just said i love it if you have a broken arm you go to the doctor Mm -hmm. to have your broken arm fixed Mm -hmm. because we don't know how to do that ourselves no i had to have a surgery one time and and it was a female surgery and it was like, is this elective? Is this a real thing? Do I really need to have this? And the thing that the surgeon said is if you have a bad gallbladder, you take it out. If you have a bad kidney, not a kidney, <laughs> if you have a bad, um, oh shoot, appendix, if you have a bad gallbladder, you take it out. If you have a bad appendix, they take it out. Mm-hmm. This particular organ had to be taken out. It was bad. It was angry. And that made so much sense to me. So it's the same with mental health. Yes. People need to not give it such a bad stigma. If you have something that's not working exactly right, you seek help for it. And that does not make you a weak person. It does not make you a silly or stupid person. No, not at all. Quite frankly going to seek help when you're overwhelmed and your mental status is not where you want it to be makes you stronger, I think. Oh, yeah, it sure does. And, you know, it's not a problem. It's not, you know, people who 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 see it as like, oh, I recognize I have a problem and I need somebody to help me with it. It isn't a problem. Being overwhelmed with with things is a very natural experience so it's okay it's okay there's there's nothing wrong with with finding somebody who can help you out and and you know making making things right for yourself and those who are around you and getting yourself uh grounded getting your feet back on the ground underneath you there's it's it's clearly a a good thing so not to make light or to not spend more time on this subject i'm going to segue back Mm -hmm. to the wrap-up since that's what we're here for yeah um the thing the the theme that i have heard through all of these again and i'm reiterating what i said at the beginning of the interview it's about human connection Mm -hmm. and sometimes 
Some of us need a connection with a higher power to maybe achieve that human connection. And sometimes we're just able to communicate and connect with humans without some sort of higher power. Sure. However you go about that, be good, be kind, be caring, and take care of each other. Take care right. of yourself. You know, take care of your loved ones and just be that good human. Well, I'm going to take a quick second here and and take the opposite viewpoint of of what we had just discussed in terms of mental health. And let's say that that you are doing okay. Let's say that physically you're doing okay, mentally you're doing okay. You you're not experiencing any any sadness or depression. You're not experiencing any anxiety and your your physical health is 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 decent. And and God love you and more power to you if that is the case. Don't look upon others who are struggling as being lesser than you. Don't look upon others who are having a hard time with this as being uh, invalid. Don't look at them as being a hindrance. Don't look at them as being somebody who is being dramatic or somebody who is being... Um, that's the word I'm looking for. Can yeah. I just inject something here? Mm-hmm. Amen. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, it's so true. For years, I've struggled with anxiety and depression, and I've made that no secret. And I take medication for this daily. And there have been times when I've considered, well, maybe I should take more medication than that. And actually, I do have additional <laughs> medication for when I fly and all <laughs> I was going like to say, that. for aircraft. <laughs> yeah. But anyway... For many years, I have heard things like change your diet, exercise, uh, get outside and breathe more, meditate. Now, I have done all of these things, and I continue to do many of them. I, I don't exercise as often as I should, and I know this, and my diet is not as good as other people. I know that as well. But any time, because we live in this reward structure, any time that I failed which was recognized as having a panic attack or getting depressed. If I was in the middle of the throes of depression, I would feel as though I failed, like I did not live up to something, like I'm maybe not working out enough or not eating as well as I should. I was a failure as a result of that because I was not being rewarded with good health, mental health. And that's wrong. It's Mm -hmm. wrong. So if you are a person who does not struggle with this depression or anxiety and is not having a hard time right now. If you're a person who seems perfectly healthy and you look upon somebody who's, you know, in front of you in the aisle at the grocery store um, and they're wearing a mask and they're, they're saddened by what's happening, don't think that they're any less of a person because they're handling it differently than you are. And don't think that what you do does not have an effect upon their life because it does. Even if you're healthy and even if you you are adjusted, there are so many things that you can do to help other people come to that same level of adjustment and happiness. And the fact of the matter is, even if you just leave them alone to do their own thing, there's such a thing as, as making sure that all the oars are going in the right direction. So don't don't belittle people. Don't paddle against where the direction that they're headed in. If you want to help people out, um, show 
much like what we're talking about in terms of, of these people of faith and these various religions that we've talked to, understand that people have different struggles in this world, and you may not be having the same one that they are. You may not be having one at all, but that doesn't mean that they're less of a person than you. And what I've learned from all these interviews is every single person that did these interviews and and shared about their belief, their religion, their way of life, all have the same theme. And it's about human connectivity. It's about being good to each other. It's about being kind, empathetic, patient, loving. It doesn't matter if your belief is in this or that. It doesn't matter if you're poor or rich. It doesn't matter if your skin color is green. I don't care. Just be decent people to each other. That's that's the root of basic human connectivity yep. is being decent. Yep. And and recognizing that we're not all the same and recognizing that your uniqueness brings something special to this world and no one can take that away. No one should try to dampen that or darken that. Speaking of goodness, and in the final moments here of our wrap-up, we have to talk about something that is really good, which is between now and the last episode of the podcast that we've put out there, we welcomed into this world a... A perfect, perfect human being. (laughs) A baby boy who is our grandson. Archer. Archer, John, Ray, Birch, and congratulations to Alicia and Lucas and Kristen who is now a big sister. And she's doing a fabulous job. Yeah, she really is. I I think that it's it's hard on any kid to... Share the spotlight. Yeah. But we've been really careful and expressing our happiness and love towards both of them and making sure that she feels that she's just as important today as she was a week ago. <laughs> yes, yes. He's a great little guy. He's cute, and he's healthy, and we're really happy about that, and the family seems to be doing really well. Unfortunately, of course, in the way things are right now, we're able to view things more remotely than hands-on, which is... A not, challenge. Yeah, it's, it's not what people would normally have done, but this is part of the new norm, right? And Well, it believe me, there will be more holding in the future. <laughs> oh, of course. But we are really happy for them. And those of you who have wished us well on various levels of social media, thank you. And we, we really appreciate it. Um, and, and we, of course, wish them all the best and happiness and health mm-hmm. in any way that we can help. We have been doing so, and we really appreciate people. I know that sometimes things get really busy, and we don't have the opportunity to, to say this directly. So this is a great opportunity for us, and I think that we can speak on their behalf, too, mm-hmm. that we really appreciate everybody Absolutely. Uh, you know, helping out, giving uh, good vibes and positive reinforcement and, and signs of love and and gifts and things that have come their way and our way and we Mm -hmm. we definitely uh we definitely appreciate all of you out there so thank you thank you very much for uh you know 
passing on some some good vibes to us and our family. We really appreciate that. Absolutely. So stay safe. Stay safe and be smart and just do the right thing by each other. Absolutely. Think about everybody else and yourself, but think about everybody else. That's really a, a big Sometimes part of it. I want to wear a neon sign when I have to go into the grocery store, which has been very, very little mm-hmm. because I knew what this beautiful little package was going to be coming. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I want to wear a neon sign that says, I have a newborn baby and I live with my elderly in laws. Don't touch me. <laughs> six foot bubble. <laughs> I'm okay with people keeping a six foot bubble from you as long as I can be in the bubble. So we're just being careful yes. and Hey, and we care about you. We do, absolutely. That's why that's why we do it. Absolutely. I do it because those closest to me, of course, but the extended mm-hmm. part of my heart mm-hmm. I also yeah, if you're healthy, then we can be healthy, and they can be healthy. So we care about our family, and by proxy, we care about you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to throw this out here really quick. Please uh, continue to listen. You're, you're this far, so you're listening. But share the podcast with people that you know. Uh, you can become a sponsor. We definitely would love that. We currently have one sponsor, and that's Clark say, Peterson. We we owe we owe a, a shout out to him. <laughs> well, I every time I post something online. Oh, that's how it is mm-hmm. online. Yep. Not I don't not generally there. do it this way, but I'm going to because Clark is a great guy, and so we really appreciate how he's given to the podcast, and we're we're open to uh, sponsors. So please, you know, contact us, and we'll we'll talk you through that process. You can contact us via email, kettleincup at gmail.com. You can check out our website, porternotes.com. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on iHeartRadio and Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Gosh, we're everywhere. That's awesome. Yes. And uh, that new series that we're doing, which is the 30-second sound clips, which shows... Uh, Those are really good. Thank you. Those They're fun, aren't they? They they're are just great. Little snippets from interviews that are out there. Um, and I, the most recent one was Max Shapiro, and mm-hmm. he's a great guy, too. So All of the interviews so far have been very fun and, mm-hmm. and informative, mm-hmm. and I, I learned from all of them. So I'm yeah. enjoying... I'm enjoying this whole process. I am too. It's and a way to stay creative. We want to be able to do this for a long time in the future. So if you can become a sponsor, that's one sure way to help us out. So go to our Facebook page. That's a really up-to-date mm-hmm. way of finding out how you can help us out. And we really appreciate I mean, everything that you guys yes, do. Yes, sponsorship is great. But you know, I think we just like hearing ourselves. So we're probably going to keep doing it even if you don't sponsor us. <laughs> Until it puts us in the poorhouse. <laughs> All right. Oh, wait. So, we're what? not there already? <laughs> no, we're in the crazy house. Oh, yes. Yes, you are right. <laughs> the poor house is someplace different. Porter or poor? Yeah, well. <laughs> One and the same? We're not the we're not the richters. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. <laughs> okay. So, anyway, until next time, I'm Alex. I'm Lori. And we'll talk to you again soon. 